Have you ever set a goal and failed miserably and didn't know why? You just figured it was too hard or you were too weak? Well, you're just fine. But sometimes we have conflicting ideas that create huge walls or mental blocks. If this is happening somewhere in your life, we got some work to do. This is Studio Confessions, the art podcast. I am your host, Luis Martin, the art engineer. Listen in for conversations with artists and culture makers as we talk about their creative practice and what moves them. Let me share my wax poetic monologues and how to activate your creativity to live an inspired and more beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. Welcome to the studio. I'm glad you're here. I'm in LA, still glowing from podcast movement evolution, where I got to be a speaker. As you can imagine, I spoke about faith, journey, and passion, but I think I sneaked it in. The title of my talk was How to Make Art with Your First Podcast with What You Have, which in essence is what I spoke about, but I was heavy on the theme of storytelling and endless content generating through inspiration. I mean, my goal was to bring in some woo into the heavy technical and business nature of the conference. I serve passion stories about leaps of faith and pickles. That's an inside joke. If you join my email list or send me a message, I'll share the video with you. So send me a message and I'll make that available. And I think I accomplished my mission. After the talk, someone walked up to me and said, wow, I've never heard anything like that. You just turned the industry upside down, which I think was a good thing. I mean, she was smiling. I'm not a keynote speaker just yet, but I gave it my all because every stage can be a keynote stage, right? And when it comes a calling, I'll be ready. As a matter of fact, here is a little humble brag. Another friend said, you're better than the keynote speakers. You didn't even use notes. I mean, validation is not required, but always welcomed. So thank you, Joe. In preparation, I used part of my brain I had never employed. I felt remarkable not only to rise to the occasion, but also it was symbolic for me. It was a homecoming of sorts. To arrive in LA as an adult and have business in the places that I aimlessly roamed as a kid looking for life, looking for meaning. The event took place at the Millennial Biltmore in downtown LA, across the street from the Central Library in Pershing Square. LA was a very different place when I was a kid. The streets were empty after 5 p.m. Now, there are a lot of people. Not as much as in New York, but there are a lot of people. Tourists. And I hate to say it, but I have to say it. A lot of aggressive, homeless people in need of more than just housing. There's a huge mental wellness epidemic across the country. And LA seems to be one of the epicenters. I know San Francisco, I know Seattle, and New York doesn't stay far behind. Back then, it was just empty and I walked the streets like a ghost, visualizing my eventual walks in New York as soon as I was old enough to leave. One of the podcast movement parties was at the Buenaventure Hotel, the very same hotel I used to go to when I used to skip school. I would smoke half a box of cigarettes and read books in the lobby. No one ever blinked twice. I was part of the scenery. To prepare for the conference, I prepared like one would for a marathon, I would think, not having ever ran a marathon. For the past two months, I recited my talk twice a day, twice a day, one to myself, to my phone and recorded it, and the second time to my husband, every night for two months. 
Poor guy, he must love me, right? Actually, I'm sure he could have done the talk for me if I had been called to do a keynote in another room. But along with the preparation, I also had to get over a few mental blocks, which surprised me a bit. Have you ever set a goal and failed miserably and didn't know why? You just figured it was too hard or you were too weak? Well, you're just fine. But sometimes we have conflicting ideas that create huge walls or mental blocks. Ideas that like tectonic plates can build mountains in our psyche. Say perhaps you want to go to Bali, see the blue water and take a nap on a straw hammock, but you're afraid of flying. Mm. You have some conflicting ideas that will set you back, that will set you up for failure. We do the same thing when we look for love or for a new job. If this is happening somewhere in your life, we got some work to do. So with my preparation, I had to get over three very specific blocks. One, remembering. Two, being good. Three, performance anxiety. Most of the times, these blocks do not make sense to anyone but you, and in this case, me, because they're constructed and stitched together with very personal narratives and with very personal logics that make absolutely no sense to anyone but you. The talk was 3,000 words long. I had to memorize 3,000 words, but I didn't sabotage myself by thinking about it that way. I broke it down, used some techniques to memorize, like the palace method in which you think of a room you're familiar with, and you associate parts of your speech to parts of the space in a chronological order. It works great. But more idiosyncratically, number one, and I'm telling you, this is weird, the wall that I broke through, I had to be okay with remembering. Huh? Yeah, I know. When you've experienced, witnessed, or suffered traumas in your life, as I have in my youth, a frequent coping mechanism is selective memory. Or in my case, absolute disregard for facts. I didn't want them. They never served me good, pre or post Trump. So I go through life feeling things out because I've learned my gut never lies. So I had to be okay with remembering. Weird, right? I literally had to allow myself to be okay with remembering. And guess what happened? I remembered. Not only the 3,000 words, but other things. Other things started coming back, like water at the beginning of a flood. For a moment, I looked down. I could have stayed down completely. But, and here's the magic of it all, I looked up. And when I looked up, I was in my studio and I saw my artwork, my collages, and there it was. All of the signs, all of the notes, and the breadcrumbs. I've been leaving myself and, well, you, to get back, to get back into that placeness of wellness, of well-being. Doesn't this sound insane? I know, but it's true. And I came back from that darkness before that wave of melancholy could consume me because I've been sending myself life rafts for this very specific moment. No Prozac needed here, no mind-dulling drugs, just art. I've made each of my collages with the light, with the connection to source, with the reminders of my whys, my purpose. It was all there and it saved me again. So memory, remembering, check. And true to form, I remembered everything. My talk went without a hitch. The next wall I demolished, and I'm telling you, these only get weirder, but that's how the mind works. You know how they say, it's a state of mind, 
you have to free your mind, this is what they meant. This is what they're talking about. It's not about being open-minded with others to be less racist or less biased. No, it's so you can have less hate, less bias, and all of that other crap of yourself. Because once you get over yourself, it's all easy sailing, dealing with others, I promise. The second mental block was being good. Yeah, who'd have thought, right? Yes, as it turns out, I am good. I'm fucking perfect. But guess who's right there telling me, hmm, no, you're not, me. Sound familiar? Here's the thing. When I say being good, I mean, I set out to do something and I know I can do it and I do it. But here's where I get tangled in the threads of trauma. I've always been that one mediator in drama. The one that makes people feel all right and safe when it's all upside down. And how did I do that as a kid, as a teen, as a grown man? By not being good, by not being perfect. Because that way, I didn't intimidate anyone by being a badass. Yeah, that happened. I didn't want to exacerbate the bruises and the fragile people around me. And it manifested in the smallest of ways. You want a coffee? A small one? I didn't listen, so I came back with a Trenti Frappuccino with glitter and whipped cream and fireworks. Made you smile. We're flying out of JFK. Say hi to Newark. Made you smile. No more nervousness. This role diffused tension, made people smile, sometimes laugh, in the face of chaos. But it didn't serve me. Who am I to be good? Who am I to win? That was the context in which I existed. That was the role I thought I was to play for my family, for the people around me. And guess what? That's why I left. I left LA because these limiting thoughts that I basically assigned myself as a result of the traumas weighed me down. And I knew I would not make it if I stayed. I don't mean to sound dramatic, but I really wouldn't have. Hey, why so quiet? Want to share your thoughts on the conversation? Reach out on Instagram at StuConPodcast or visit the website studioconfessions.com. Follow me and check out my work at Art Engineer. Please leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on. It goes a long way. Now let's get back to the conversation. Now, my husband wasn't able to make it on this trip. So my good friend from middle school was able to attend and record the talk for me. After the talk, we had some time to catch up. We spoke about then and now, and at some point she said, I'm glad you left. I smiled, and she continued. I know too many of us who stayed and haven't been able to do much. I knew what she was talking about. Of course I did. We, she, I, and our peers in Pico Union were a product of fear. Fear of deportation, gang violence, scarcity, ancestral traumas. I always felt it. I still feel it when I visit LA. As a Mexican-American, a brown person of indigenous descent, there is no assimilation, no integration, not here. There is a clear distinction between Mexicans, Central Americans, and everyone else here. As such, when I was at the majestic millennial Biltmore Hotel, I found myself in the bathroom one day in the lobby and there was a janitor cleaning, given they were usually exclusively all Mexican or Central American. 
But I thought it was very telling when I heard their walkie-talkie go off. You know, the ones that the maintenance people use to communicate with each other. It was in Spanish. The whole communication was in Spanish, which meant that everyone on the team that had access to the walkie-talkie that needed to hear the instructions had to understand Spanish. Of course, they were all exclusively Latino. I mean, at the very least, they have jobs, right? But how fucking limiting is that for their children? How are they going to ever learn English? That's how we stay marginalized. Along with the aggressive homelessness of LA, and I'm gonna say it, the marijuana is out of control. I couldn't avoid it even in the high-end Biltmore. And at my Airbnb here, psh, it's all I smell now. Now to each his own, right? But give me some air, God. And here's my real rant. Why do all of my Mexican brothers and sisters look dopey toking up with their hoodies and flip-flops while everyone else looks cool and breezy with their joints? When I mentioned this to my sister who lives here, she replied, it's the quality. The cheaper, more affordable, accessible pot is of lesser quality. Which do you think the white kids get? Which do you think the Mexicans get? I don't want to exist in this context. This is why I left. It's too easy to reach for these vices and comforts to ease marginalization instead of facing it and getting out of it. It's too easy to get lumped into this lack mentality when everyone around you just gives in. Yeah, I'm glad I left too. Thank you, friend. Along with memory and being good, the last wall I had to demolish and overcome brought all of this into context. Even though they might have us believe our mental illness comes from chemical imbalance and such, there's always, if not always, a root cause, a traumatic inception, if you will. Here is a traumatic event that messed me up, one which I proudly demolished speaking at Podcast Movement Evolution. Yeah, it was an evolution for me. When I was in the sixth grade, here we go, I was in the thick of awkwardness, like most kids, but I was literally in a messy, cocoonish, slimy, transformative stage. I was bullied, picked on, and had realized that I had power, but I had not realized how or when this would really materialize. But I was just starting to let go of what people said of me and thought of me, so I started exercising my freedom of not giving any fucks, that kind of attitude. So I started wearing my dad's clothes, his button-up collar shirts, his slacks, his shoes, and it looked exactly like that too. It looked like I was wearing my father's clothes or like I was a lead in one of those movies where an adult shrinks back into childhood. I didn't care, really. Oh, and I had an afro too, because I have frizzy hair that grows bulbously, like a topiary. And to top it off, at the time, I was taking acting, movement, and voice classes after school at the community center across the street from my house. A teacher of mine, Mr. Hunter, bless his heart, knew this and thought, hey, I have an opportunity for you, kid. And before I could think of asking what it was, I was like, heck yeah, anything to get out of here. So as it turned out, I'd agreed to have a speaking role in a little television stint for the Great American Smokeout, a campaign against smoking aimed at kids. And yes, this was during my smoking at hotel lobbies days. He didn't need to know that. 
So the whole class, yes, the whole class, 85% of which called me fag, pushed me around, or just plain ignored me, were coming along as my audience. And guess who else was there? Jenna Vanoy from the then hit show Blossom, and a few other wonderful B-roll celebrities. The role that was given to me was that of foreman in a case against the cigarette industry. The rest of the class formed the jury. I was to get up and represent my jury and read our verdict, which came in a very foreign language to me. At the time, anyway. Here it goes. Yes, Your Honor. We find the defendant inexcusably and glaringly guilty. Glaringly? Inexcusably? I'd never heard either of these words or known what they meant. And now I was to memorize them and recite them in front of my tormentors, film cameras, and Jenna Von Oy. Sure. I went with it, because when you're going through hell, the last thing you want to do is stop and take pictures, right? I knew that even then. When I was given my cue, I got up and instantly felt my jury's gaze, lost my breath, and whispered, yes, 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 uh, we, find, we find him guilty, and that was that. Now I can recite this line in three different languages. Si, su honor. Encontramos el acusante inculpablemente. Anyway, but you see the connection? I had to employ two things I was already blocking to survive as a kid. I wasn't set up for success. My memory and my excellence were on off mode just to get through life. And it fucked me up. Sometimes you have to leave to set yourself up for success. Because if you were born into a context like I was, you won't be set up for success. No one really is, but some have a hell of a greater chance than us. So leave, leave town, leave the house, whatever. If it's for an hour, a day, a week, a lifetime, there's so much to be gained from perspective. Did I have to leave LA to come back 20 years later and speak at some conference? No. But I created a context for myself that allowed me to arrive at a place I wanted to get to, on my own terms. I know where I'm going, but it's up to me to decide how to get there. Where do you want to go, my friend? Leave yourself some breadcrumbs. Don't stay in your cave, because that's what our comfort zone is, a cave with good lighting. Just leave breadcrumbs so you find your way back if you have to. I saw a beautiful quote one day that I tattooed into my soul. Something like, let your life be the result of your dreams, not your fears. So I'm here in LA and I'll be sending you a postcard from LA soon. Be well. That's it. Thanks for listening. If you heard anything that moved you, please share it. You are the spark that can ignite a thousand flames. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer, sharing with you what moves me.